in that case, like the mom was kind of skeptical because we were like <laughs> two, you know, kids. Right. <laughs> I mean, pretty yeah. much who uh, had just like come up with these designs and brought them over from India. Um, but her daughter was really excited about it. Uh. And um, her daughter tried on this Palazzo set and she was just like, like, mom, like this is what i want like i don't want anything that's that's like too pink and too this and like too much Mm -hmm. and um the mom told us afterwards she was like i've never seen her excited about wearing like indian (laughs) clothes hey everyone i'm arjun and welcome to the first episode of my first sale podcast where I take you under the hood to see what all you need to do to start your own e-commerce business. We're going to hear from people who are right in the thick of it, and I'm honored to welcome my first guest to the show, Nikki Shamdasani. Thanks so much for being on the first episode of this podcast. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Yeah, and um, I guess really the goal that I wanted to do with this was to talk through with small business owners about those kind of struggles that they faced, both professionally and personally maybe, Mm -hmm. and kind of hear about what their journey has been so far. Because I think that usually for people who are starting out, it can be most useful to hear from somebody who's like just a few steps ahead of them, Mm -hmm. trying to figure out what kinds of struggles they need to go through if they want to start their own thing as well. I think there's, you know, hundreds, thousands of people out there who really want to take that step, but don't know what they need to do to get there. Mm-hmm. So I think you're the perfect person to tell us how. Thank you. Thank you. Well, let's hope so. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I guess maybe just start by mentioning a bit about what your company does. Cool. So my name's Nikki Sham Nasani. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Sani, which is a South Asian inspired fashion brand. So uh, it was co-founded with my younger sister, who's a first year at NC State right now. Um, And we started about two years ago now, a little over two years ago. And it was really born out of a a personal need where we weren't finding fashion that we were excited about, South Asian fashion, and fashion that represented more than one part of our identity. Mm. And so um, it it started off as a side project as like, let's make some outfits for ourselves and our friends. Because when we had started talking to our friends, we were like, is anyone else finding things that they really like? Are we just like missing out on something? And Mm. we like the resounding answer was, was no, we weren't missing some store or website or whatever. It was something other people also felt like that, that they weren't finding the kind of, uh, fashion that excited them within our, our culture. Yeah. And so um, we made these outfits for ourselves and our friends. And from there, it kind of just took on a life of its own from a side project into uh, something else. And so I was, uh, when we started the side project, I was living in New York, had just left my job in venture capital and was uh, now starting to do some sort of internships and projects with uh AR and VR companies and uh, that kind of gave me the the headspace and the capacity to also be doing this side project of Sony and at a certain point I was like wait I don't want to be doing anything in AR VR (laughs) I want to be doing this this thing we were seeing this excitement and this need and so we we went for it and now uh, here we are today with uh, business very cool yeah i think you know they often say that like the best kinds of companies that one can create is one where you would actually use the product yourself Mm -hmm. and it sounds like when you guys were coming up with this and feeling that need of not having like pieces that you wanted to wear it really drove you to try to solve that exactly and i'm actually curious i think what the way you said it just now sounds very casual but to me like the idea of creating like this piece of, I mean, this is like nice fabric. Like yeah. it is like a very, you know, it's like what you would wear for a special occasion. Mm-hmm. How, how do you even say, 
I know how to make that. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. In you know, retrospect, you can be like, so we just start yeah. making clothes. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. like we neither of us had any fashion background. Now my sister's oh, wow. studying fashion, so okay. that's good. That's yeah. helpful. But otherwise, n- no idea how to make clothes or mm-hmm. design or anything like that. So you're right. I, I say it like it's I mean it, it was a stretch yeah. to figure it out. Um and really it was one step at a time. It was like what are the kinds of things we want? Oh, we want less uh, blingy fabrics. Mm -hmm. We want these more subdued colors. Like we started talking through these things and uh, the next step was, you know, where do you find these sorts of fabrics? And we we kept looking for brands, right? That currently had these sorts of things. And uh, the next step was my mom happened to be going to India to see my grandmother and she was like, why don't you come with me and we can go look for some fabrics and get some things again made for you. Cause you know, in India, there are lots of tailors out there and a lot of people get clothes made just for themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, really, really small quantities. And, and that's more of a thing you can do there. And so she was like, well, we'll find someone and you know, you can make these things for, uh, you and your sisters. And so, my sister and I beforehand came up with this now what we call a portfolio but really just like cobbled together of like we want this sort of blouse with this sort of skirt and and um so it was really that one step at a time and and when we went to India we actually found a few tailors through friends of friends and just Mm. you start telling everyone you know what you're doing right right? and (laughs) it turns out that like somehow you can have a connection to pretty much anything if you just like tell the whole world (laughs) this is what i I want to do and so um that's exactly what happened and we also like googled a few and we went to like five different uh some were like just home shops some Mm. were real sort of professionals um that had stores and everything and we uh kind of gave each of them some pieces that we wanted them to make after going to fabric stores and just picking out beautiful fabrics wow (laughs) and uh everyone except one actually worked out like the, the quality was terrible you know you don't even i think what we've learned over and over again right is you don't know what you don't know of course and so uh, we didn't think that we had to specify that, you know, there needs to be lining underneath the fabric <laughs> if the fabric's itchy from the inside, right? Yeah. And so there are a hundred million things that we hadn't even told these people. And it was kind of like, you figure it out and then we'll see what quality you naturally produce and mm. go from there. So so one person worked out and uh when it came time to keep making, when we decided to do that, we continued working with that person and, and they're the ones that really got us off the ground. But their quality from the beginning was amazing. Wow. And they're the ones who taught us, like, here are the things you look for. Next time you need to specify, mm-hmm. I like this lining, I like this, uh, I okay. like that. And they've been amazing teachers throughout. And I think we we got very very lucky finding them through friends of friends wow well it sounds like you guys also tried very hard to to make that effort to find people so Mm -hmm. you know wouldn't discount your effort at all here sure sure (laughs) i'd also say like our parents were so supportive also right Mm -hmm. like i don't know people in india really i mean i have cousins there and stuff but i also don't talk to them often and so a lot of it was like my mom reaching out to her cousins yeah. over there from when she was growing up and, and saying things and so and asking around and so I can't discount how supportive they were at the beginning yeah. and without that like I I wouldn't have known where yeah. to start and we wouldn't have had the right support to be able to take even the first step yeah absolutely so so when they were making these pieces and you were sort of noticing that there were you know some issues with some of them, as you mentioned, yeah. sounds like almost most of them. Yeah. Were, were you just trying them on yourselves? Like, how are you yeah. noticing? <laughs> yeah. Even now, we try on everything that we get. Wow. Because you can't know that something is off until you try it on. I mean, now we have quality control checks that we have the factory do, you know, before anything is sent over. Um, but still, you can't know until you try it on. And, <laughs> and the people making these outfits for us aren't going to be trying it all on. Right. So, but, but from the beginning, yeah, it was like 
these are our outfits, right? And that's when we notice, like, you need lining on the inside of the blouse on the <laughs> side or it's going to, like, really itch over there. It's going to bite into you. It's better where possible to have hooks on the back instead of just zippers because that makes it easier to pull things on yeah. and off and all of these things. And so, yes, it was by, like, trying it on. Um, and then also, like, researching a lot. Like, yeah the places where we saw the sorts of outfits we wanted were the top Indian designers, right? Mm -hmm. And and they're the ones selling things for thousands of dollars. They are doing amazing work that I wish the whole world would see <laughs> to, to understand like how incredible South Asian fashion is. Yeah. It's not affordable for most people, right? But sure. uh, we were taking cues from them also, like seeing what's their lining like, you know? Yeah. And, and that's the sort of research we had to do in addition to just wearing the clothes and seeing what, what felt good to us and what tweaks we would want to make to feel more comfortable and excited about the clothing. Right. That makes sense. Do, do you feel like, I guess, so you and your sister started this company, right? Yes. Do you feel like growing up, you had sort of like a heightened sense of awareness about the clothes that you were wearing and not just how they looked, but how they felt and how like the materials they were made of and stuff like that? Or is this something that only once you started to see that need that suddenly all these light bulbs turned on. It was really when we started to see the need because when we were younger, and I think this is probably true of most people, right? Our our mom would get the clothes for us, right. right? So we weren't really shopping for it. I mean, when we'd take trips to India, of course you buy when you're there right. as well. <laughs> and I knew, we, we knew we hated the process. <laughs> and that was from uncles telling us that like, oh, this is what's going to look good on you to, um, you know, just spending hours and hours like in all of these stores trying to find the needle in the haystack and, and everything in between, really. Like we knew we didn't like the shopping process, mm -hmm. uh, but it wasn't until we were older, like so in recent years, right, right before Sani, that we started paying more attention to it. And I think that was because we had developed more of a sense of like, what we wanted to wear and everything like right. that, that we just didn't have when we were younger. That was part of it. And we were also becoming more aware of, again, at the very top, what fashion could look like and feel like within, right. you know, South Asian fashion. That makes sense. So it was a heightened awareness over time. We just knew we hated it before, <laughs> right? Fair enough, fair <laughs> enough. And actually the point that you bring up about uh, how when you were younger, you used to basically like, and this is really common, I think, within the South Asian communities. Like many times, you'll go to India, you'll buy a bunch of stuff, and you'll bring it back. And mm -hmm. I think this is a huge issue for the Indian American population mm -hmm. because going to India is expensive. It takes yeah. a lot of time. You don't do it that often. I mean, maybe some people go once a year, mm -hmm. maybe twice a year if you're really sort of committed to that. But yeah. you know, getting those pieces is a pain. Yeah. So how do you guys get the pieces here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so all of the fabrics right now are purchased there. All of it is manufactured over there. Um, and then we get, you know, the, the finished pieces shipped over here, but it's all designed by, by us. Okay. Um, and I think the point you're making is, is really, really important because there are very different mindsets in the U S I'd say versus India mm -hmm. about even the costs of South Asian fashion and how they've changed over time. I think um, in India, you know, when we go to see the new designers in, in Shapur Jat and we, you know, are, are trying to understand where the market is over there, we see that like people, first of all, are spending more on clothes and, and if you have the money, right? Like people right. are spending more on South Asian fashion over there than over here for comparable like events. So right. a wedding or something like that. Sure. And I think that's that's natural, right? Um, over there, maybe there's also more times during the year you can use it, like what whatever it may be. I think that is natural, but that there are mentalities around even uh, the price point and how it's become more expensive to make this clothing over time that people kind of see over there or can see more readily because it's just available everywhere that I don't think has transferred over here mm. quite as yet. Uh, in the past five years, 10, I mean, I'd really say the past like 10 years, but five years especially, it has become 
a lot more expensive to even manufacture the clothing wow. and the fabrics have gotten more expensive everything's gotten more expensive mm -hmm. uh, so I think like when people are also thinking about these purchases yeah you got to think about your trip to India you, <laughs> yeah you have to think about the time you're yeah. spending but you also have to think about the fact that like actually it's pretty expensive over there as well yeah totally, yeah totally yeah. And out of curiosity, are there certain larger trends that you're seeing cause those increase in expenses or is it mostly just around the demand for those products? I, I think that there are, are a lot of things, including the fact that like, um, especially for what we are making, it requires a lot of skilled labor, yeah. right? It's not being done by machines. It's right. being done <laughs> by, by people yeah. uh, by hand. And so I think, I think one, uh, people are paying for that skilled labor in a more fair way and uh, actually the factories we use we we vet them to make sure that they are paying their workers fair wages so mm -hmm. we probably could get lower prices but we want people who are paying their laborers in the in a ethical way right. um, so I think there's that that people are being paid more I think demand is skyrocketing I also think that uh, as the fashion becomes more visible it's also um, becoming more expensive as well. Yeah, 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 that makes sense. So I think something that is sort of central to almost every entrepreneur's journey is the moment where you actually make your first sale. Yeah. <laughs> and this is something that um, I've actually heard Shopify CEO Toby Lutke talk about a lot. Huh. Um, it's something that I guess kind of drives their business is thinking about how to help entrepreneurs get their first sale. and. I remember, you know, our first sale and it was something where it really changed the tra trajectory and mindset that you have surrounding your company. So I'm curious yeah. if you remember what yours was and any any thoughts around that. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> so yeah, I don't think anyone forgets their first sale, right? It was um, someone we knew and it was an in-person sale. Mm -hmm. The first like couple of weeks of the business when we had like put pictures up on Instagram. We were just waiting for the sales to start <laughs> pouring in. We were ready. Um, and then when nothing was happening, we were like, what, what's up? Like we, we, we've interviewed so many people, we've shown them the clothes. Like the, it's, it seems like there's excitement. So why aren't people buying? And, uh, very quickly we realized that like people needed to feel the clothing they needed to be able to try it on, mm -hmm. especially in the beginning, right? As the brand right. was starting to be like, I mean, it wasn't a thing, right? right? And so how could they trust what they were getting from a picture? Mm -hmm. And so um, we started like just taking private appointments with people at our, our parents' house in Fayetteville. <laughs> And we, we didn't even announce it in a really big way. We were just like, it was just like word of mouth right. as we knew weddings were happening. Oh, you want to come over and just like <laughs> check out some clothes? And so it, it came out of like one of the first appointments that we did like that in the first month. Mm -hmm. And so um, it was really amazing because uh, I know the, it, in that case, like the mom was kind of skeptical because we were like two, <laughs> you know, kids right. <laughs> I mean pretty yeah. much who uh had just like come up with these designs <laughs> and brought them over from India um but her daughter was really excited about it uh. and um her daughter tried on this palazzo set and she was just like like mom th like th this is what I want like I don't <laughs> want anything that's that's like too pink and too this and like too much mm -hmm. and um the mom told us afterwards, she was like, I've never seen her excited about wearing like Indian <laughs> clothes. And uh, like, like that was the first sale. Yeah. And that moment was like exactly why, why we had started, why it, why it had become like from a side project to let's see if we can make this something more. It's yeah. because we were like seeing South Asian women like ourselves who just weren't excited about yeah. like what they were wearing and so um it also made us realize that we hadn't thought properly about how we'd need to market and make more sales right mm -hmm. these um well in this case it was a young woman who was our user but our customer was her mom right right and we were <laughs> like oh so we kind of have to make sure that we're speaking to both these people um, and and so we started thinking more about that from there. But that so that first sale was 
great, but it was also like, oh no, <laughs> we didn't think about this at all. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And I actually, the point that you brought up at the end is something yeah. I'm curious about in general. I mean, I know you're targeting South Asian women generally, yeah. right? And um, I don't know, is there an age range that you typically try to target? I'd say the the age range that buys from us the most, and so the one that we've been targeting is from like 18 to low 30s. Okay. So usually like first generation. Sure, okay. South Asian Americans. That makes sense. And yeah. I guess the interesting thing about that is probably, and correct me if I'm wrong, I would guess that the lower third maybe of that age group are still largely dependent on their yeah. parents' salaries and maybe the upper half upper two-thirds is not so how are you figuring out who to target there like i mean sometimes like you said the user is always the person who's wearing it but the person who's actually making the purchasing decision can vary pretty widely there yeah well the interesting thing is even what what we've seen is even as like south asian women start their like professional lives and everything like that, they still rely on their moms when they're making this, this kind of purchasing uh. decision. So like maybe for um, a gala or something like that, they'll, they'll take care of it on their own. But when it comes to their like <laughs> cultural clothing, they're still like, mom, I want to make sure you mm. think this is a good purchase. So they depend on you know their, their parents even as they kind of get older. Yeah. Um, and I think that makes sense because um, I think a lot of our parents have um, experienced like maybe growing up in India or something and, and like making their clothes and picking fabrics and knowing what's good quality, yeah. especially that point. Mm. And so I think, it, I think it makes a lot of sense. Now, I don't think we've still done a good job <laughs> of targeting our customers, right? right? I think um, initially it was as simple as we'll be on Instagram and Facebook, right? And... Uh, I think that's that's overly simplistic. Then we started to vary the kind of copy and the images that we were using on Instagram and Facebook here and there and what posts we were sponsoring. Yeah. I still, like, we still haven't gotten to it for sure. Um, it's just, and one thing that I think we lost sight of, especially in the past, like, six to eight months is continuing to like obsessively interview mm. like our customers, customers. and mm. our users yep. um and and that was initially what got us onto like okay we should also be on facebook that's what got us to let's try this sort of copy by it was by talking to people right right um and then i think we've been too much in the weeds recently just trying to figure it out and ourselves and that we need to get back to talking to people so we understand what are the other things that we should do better Mm -hmm. um but it was also like we were doing a lot more shows earlier and so when the mom and daughter let's say were coming to us we'd be like gauging their reactions and seeing what what landed and everything and again in the past six to eight months we were like we want to double down on what we're doing kind of online and Mm -hmm. we had this sort of big partnership come up and i think that um came at the expense of us continuing to do these in-person things whether interviews or shows or anything in between so the long answer to your question <laughs> is we're still figuring it out, like Fair how enough. to effectively target these people. But there have been like little tweaks over time that we've tried to make. Totally, totally makes sense. And yeah, it's, I think it's interesting, especially for fashion brands. I mean, this is obviously the case with any startup is sort of trying to, you know, build your brand online, build your yeah. credibility, but especially for consumer products and especially for, you know, fashion. I think uh, platforms like Instagram, like Facebook become mm-hmm. hugely important. I mean, how do you think about that? I know, I know you guys actually have the Instagram handle at Sunny, which yeah. I can't even imagine how you got that. But <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. We worked so hard. So the fact that you brought that up means a lot. Because I, I mean, it was um, a, a wonderful friend who, who kind of had an in and was able to, to you know, help us out. But nice. it was a pretty much inactive account. Okay. So mm-hmm. we'd been trying to get it. I'd been messaging at Sani yeah. for a year and a half, including like I I sent such stupid messages like on my birthday. I was like, Sani, I'd really appreciate this handle. Like it's my birthday. Like I had gotten so desperate. I was just like messaging him. It. I mean, it seemed like yeah, um, yeah. he was this like random guy. Um, 
I'd been messaging him like every couple of weeks just asking. And I knew it was inactive. I knew nothing was happening, but I said, maybe he'll see <laughs> my birthday message. Maybe he'll see this. But yeah. finally, we it came through. But um, one thing that we've really learned is to like be more transparent. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we want to do more of. We've always been interested in how to b- bring people into the industry because we knew at the beginning a lot of these women are relying on their moms right. or or not maybe it's just a very like amorphous kind of industry like how do you how do you know what to get how yeah. do you know if this is good quality and so we wanted to kind of highlight these things that we didn't know when we were starting like mm-hmm. how do you know if something's hand embroidered versus machine embroidered what are the things that you should look out for when shopping for a piece. We did this like mini series recently oh, nice. on our quality control checks that people could use when, when they were shopping as well. Like right. look for this in the lining and that. And um, it's, it's these sorts of things that we're trying to do a better job of on Instagram and Facebook that we see is resonating with people. And I think that we should be doing a lot more of because um, we're, we've obviously like come into this industry as as newbies and uh have learned a lot over time definitely but i think that like bringing people kind of on that journey with us as we learn more and more has been something that we've noticed seems to seems to resonate um and obviously like that's what everyone says right (laughs) be authentic and all of these things and so i i get it but you know it's it's always scary to do it and to show people like i had no idea what chicken curry fabric was like two years ago (laughs) but but this is what it is this is how you find the good like good material and everything like that so that that's what we've tried to tried to do a little bit more of and that's what we're going to be doing a lot more of into 2020 as well awesome yeah very cool So yeah, I guess kind of switching tacks a little bit, maybe an interesting thing is like, so something that people often think about when they're starting a company is how they're going to like pay the rent basically, right? How are they going to continue to be able to fund their business and actually make it something they can turn into a day-to-day activity for them and not just a side project. And I know that you mentioned, you know, thinking about how you saw a lot of interest and making mm-hmm. that first sale was a huge factor in that. Have you, have you thought about, I guess, like other types of funding? Like, are, have you ever considered venture funding or angel funding or any of that? And yeah, we've definitely considered it. We haven't felt like it's the right moment as yet. Mm-hmm. We have applied for grants and such. So we got an NCIDEA grant last oh. year. NCIDEA has been wonderful. Shout out to them. <laughs> but, um, in addition to that, I've taken on part-time work here and there and mm. like consulting gigs or whatever it might be because to me, um, you know, you, you spe- if you're raising money, you spend a lot of time raising money. And I think that's all really good, right? Because you're having to articulate your value proposition and everything. You're, it's, it's additive to the business in right. my opinion. Um, but for us, if, if I don't feel like we're, we're there quite as yet or we don't want to, raise money quite as yet to me like working part-time right like that's time I'd probably be spending out talking to venture capitalists and so as long as what I'm doing is additive for us in some way to me that's like a good way for us to raise money so one thing I do on the side is I work with PRX the public radio exchange Uh, they are behind really great podcasts actually. <laughs> um, and I help them run design thinking workshops for journalists looking to get into podcasts or public radio people looking to get into podcasts. And so to me, that's additive because design thinking is something that has been at the core of the business, but that I lose sight of right. a lot of the time, right? Yeah. Once you're in the weeds. And so every time I do something like that, I remember like, okay, how can we you know, implement this idea as an MVP instead of me spending months on it, you know, how can we be more iterative? Mm. And so um, things like that have been how we've 
funded the business and simultaneously also I think added to it but in addition to that I have a lot of friends and family who have been really great about me about letting me like sleep on couches when I've needed to and and we're not couches like nice bedrooms and everything like so many people have been so supportive and that's been such a big part of it as as well that's awesome that's awesome I guess I know this has definitely happened for me and I I know this is probably something that's happened to every entrepreneur but there are definitely points where you feel that everything is completely, you know, going to shit. Yep, you know, yep. <laughs> you're like, <laughs> there's no better way to say it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> like you just don't know if anything is going to go forward. Yeah. I guess, um, if you'd be comfortable, like, is, is there one of those times you'd be sort of like able to describe and sort of what helped you get out of that and help you either get out of that mindset or sort yeah. of, I mean, there are, plenty of those <laughs> moments right and and I'll, I'll go into one more specifically but I think like the big thing that helps me get through it one is surrounding myself with the right people who mm-hmm. help me understand that that's business right and and um a lot of those people have actually been my family members my dad and his brothers and sisters have uh, a company that sells uniforms to the military and law enforcement. So they're kind of in textiles apparel, right? Like (laughs) right down our alley. And so when we have production issues, when something isn't selling, when, you know, like all these things are stacking up, they're the ones who say, we've been in business for so many years and this happens to us. Like they have orders come in months late, right? And so that, that often helps me get back on track. And then it's also, I I ask myself, am I still happier doing this overall than I would be doing something else? Mm -hmm. And if I'm not thinking like, oh, I would love to get this X, Y, Z job. If if my mind doesn't go over there to me, like I'm still in the right thing. If I still believe Mm -hmm. in what we're doing at the end of the day, I'm still in the right thing. And so... Like I've really needed to take on that mentality actually in just the past few months. Um, we've been fulfilling this big order that you know about <laughs> and that I'll be able to talk about more in, in January or February, mm-hmm. but um, it's been a mess and I'm not af- afraid to say that because it's not a reflection to me of like the fact that we haven't like done something well but it's been because we haven't done it before right right? and so yes we could have done things a lot better but you don't know until you do it (laughs) and people can even give you all the advice in the world but you don't know until you do it and we've had again major production issues that have led to delays that are all sorted out now we've had shipments go awry like FedEx lost <laughs> our shipment. What? Yes, actually, like just three days ago. And oh we had God. to go to the facility and beg them to look through trailers. And this what? wonderful woman, her manager chewed me out. She was like, you're not going to get it. Like when we find it, we'll find it. But her wonderful like employee ended up digging through trailers and found our packages. But like at every single step, it's felt like something's gone wrong. Something has gone wrong, not it's felt like. Yeah. And just the other day, I was like, is the universe telling me to just quit? That, like, <laughs> this isn't going to work out? Yeah. And I was like, am, like, am I doing the right thing? Why am I, why am I in this business? Yeah. And it really was thinking about it in terms, like, reframing it in my mind, yeah. right? Like, this is how business goes it's not meant to be that if you're doing the right thing everything's going to go smoothly it's if you're doing the right thing you'll figure it out absolutely and again that mentality has come from talking to a lot of people who've been supportive and then just personally trying to think well okay fine would something else make me happier and no <laughs> yeah. like right now something else wouldn't make me happier even though it sucks on a lot of days like it's just you got to figure it out. And so if I suppose if there are too many days where I feel like that and I'm like, you know, I, I really don't want to be doing this anymore, yeah. then it might be time to, to think more. But 
to me, like other otherwise things have still been temporary. Like that feeling has been temporary right. and something brings me out of it. Yeah. And so I don't know, how do yeah. how do you get through <laughs> those things? No, I think that that's a totally relatable thing to to say. I think <clears throat> the idea that I mean the point you bring up is, is very valid, right? The idea that if things if you're doing things right, then things will continue to go well is just not how things work at all, right? Mm-hmm. It's like if you're doing things right then you're figuring out what things you're doing wrong. Yeah. Like, that's, like, yeah. like the correct thing to do is just to find all the things that are going wrong yeah. as quickly as possible so that you can figure out how to course correct. Yeah. Right? I think that, you know, at any given moment, there are probably 300 things that we would like to be working on yeah. and we would like to be fixing, and it's just about prioritizing those and figuring out, you know, which ones are going to make the biggest impact sooner and... Yeah which ones are going to make me feel more, I guess, like happy with the overall state of things. I yes. think that that idea actually that you bring up is super relatable in the, in the sense that thinking about your overall state of mind and saying like, yes, today sucked and mm-hmm. these things happened that were very annoying, but overall, would I rather be doing this or rather be, you know, working at a big company or right. working uh, at, on grad, grad school or something right. like that? Like, no matter what, as long as you're sort of like overall, it's yeah. it's weird to describe because I think it doesn't seem tangible probably if you're listening yeah. to it, but I, at least to me, like it's a very like distinct feeling that I can understand yes. and um, solidify, I guess. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And and as long as you're not making the same mistakes over and over again, right? Then you're you're learning. Yeah. And and to me, it's also someone told me like play out the worst case scenario when you're feeling like that. Yep. And one of the worst case scenarios, right, is like Sani fails, and uh, you know I I have to find something else, and I've lost all of the money and yeah. time that's yeah. gone into it. And I've played that out before, and it's like, okay, yeah. right? That's, I've, I've learned a lot, so it wasn't a waste of time and a waste of money and a waste of anything. Like, no matter what, it's not going to have been that. Absolutely. So I think also playing out the worst-case scenario, even though you don't want to sit with that too long, is also a good way to, to snap out of it because it's like – It'll still be okay, totally. but it's not an option. Failure's <laughs> not an option. <laughs> um, so, so right now it's you and your sister, mm-hmm. Rithika. Is that mm-hmm. right? Uh, I guess in general, how do you guys sort of delineate roles? Yeah, um, that's been interesting because my sister's in school, and so there are periods when she has more time versus less time. But for the most part, we do design together, mm-hmm. and we do a lot of the strategy work together. And then in terms of executing and operating, that's me because I'm the one, you know, doing it really pretty right. much full time. Right. Um, she is a really good thought partner in, in every sense. Like she's, you know, she started off as a high schooler doing this. But, and, <laughs> and a lot of people were like, why would you, <laughs> why would you start a business with a high schooler? But it's because she's, she's really smart and we complement each other in the right ways. And yeah. so um, I'd say now we are getting better at properly delineating things, especially because she's now studying fashion also. So right. I think more and more design will be in in her realm but still like I'm the one who's able to go to India not necessarily her all the time mm-hmm. and so um, we still kind of have to figure that out but um, we also have some really great interns who have worked with us and and that's been a, a big help as well because um, I think you know a lot of things come up that you have to be reactive towards like you can't necessarily be proactive about everything and yeah. so they've been great about helping us with that but um, for the most part that's how me and my sister have have kind of you know figure out figured out who does what that makes sense and yeah and uh, I, this is your first business right yeah so so I guess you don't have something to compare it to mm-hmm. uh, but there are a lot of businesses, I guess, where people meet their co-founders or their coworkers mm-hmm. in school or uh, at a previous place of employment or things like that. Yeah, you've known your your coworker your whole life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I guess what is that like to to work with a family member? <laughs> <laughs> it's really good in a way because no matter how bad of an argument we have, like 
we got to sit next to each other at dinner or something right. like that. And our parents are like, you better figure this out because you're not ruining this vacation or whatever it is. Like, um, And it can get really bad too, right? Because this is someone who knows you so intimately that like we know how to get under each other's skin. Right. But at the end of the day, again, I think it's been the best thing for both of us because we've gotten to know each other in kind of a, a whole new way. And again, I think our skills are so complementary in this really exciting way. Um, and we have one more sister actually, uh, who's like in the middle of both of us. And we try to get her involved here and there, but she's like, I'm not doing that. We're gonna have a lot more arguments. Um, but it's, I've not regretted for a minute, like choosing a co-founder who's also my sister. I think it's just been, a, a really good journey for both of us and um we have had to figure it out through like the lowest lows where we're like forget you like i'm gonna <laughs> walk away and do this by myself like we've we've always like to me come to a better place even after those really low lows and um my dad works with his siblings his six siblings oh pretty God. much so we've also had i have to say like a really good example mm -hmm. of a family business mm -hmm. and how it's very much give and take like there are periods when you know his other siblings have had to step up when he's had to step up and he's always been like don't keep tabs on how much you know each person is doing and you know who's who made this mistake who made that mistake he was like you're family yeah so it's going to ebb and flow but like at the end of the day like that's what comes first and to me that's how they've made their business work over time by by putting that first uh and some people would think if you're putting family first do not ever work with them but I actually really disagree with that if if you have the right examples and right. the right relationship. Mm -hmm. So we've we've been lucky with that example and I think we've also been lucky because uh when we get along, like I think we do really good work. <laughs> That's awesome. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> um and actually curious, so your last name is Sean Desani, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's where the name Sani Designs yeah. comes from. Yeah. How did you think about the name and obviously especially again in sort of like fashion and consumer products the name can be fairly important mm -hmm. um i know at least when i'm giving people advice on b2b stuff i, yeah. I tend to tell them don't spend too much time thinking sure. about the name like it sure. probably isn't going to matter that much but I, I don't know like how important do you think the name is and like how did you sort of come to this one yeah it, it took a long time we were thinking of iconic fashion brands like <laughs> Carolina Herrera and Sabia Saatchi and it's all people's names or oftentimes right. it's people's names mm -hmm. and we were like Nikki Shamdasani, Ritika <laughs> Shamdasani and, and it just it didn't feel right to us and if we chose one of our names it wouldn't represent both of us mm. right so that that was also a thing and so my sister actually came up with like what if we just call ourselves Sonny? And I hated it at first, actually, because I was just, it. I, I don't know. I mean, at the end of the day, right, like if you pick something and you stick with it, probably like maybe you'll grow to, to yeah. like it. And I, that's what we did, actually. Yeah. Uh, I was just like, fine. I mean, let's go with this for now. And it's not like anyone will think about it too much if we change names, but it really right. stuck. And um, it also like means gift. And so that was like a cool thing we discovered. And it's also someone else pointed out it's also close to like sari sani yeah. even though we don't really sell saris for the most <laughs> part but it like there were all these like connections being made kind of by other people too when they heard it it's simple to say simple to spell and mm -hmm. so um it, we kind of kept getting these inputs where it was like this this is a good name and now it's it's grown on definitely me she she liked it from the beginning so <laughs> but that is that is exactly where it came from our our last name awesome yeah very cool yeah. <laughs> um and right now so you guys shall sell in person mm -hmm. and that's at some pop-ups that you guys are doing right and you sell yeah. online yes i guess like what are your different channels of sales like if somebody's trying to get a sani piece how do they get one yeah so online yes www.sanidesigns.com or you can shop through instagram where sani on instagram s-a-n-i 
Um, we also do in-person things. So we'll take uh, private appointments. We'll go to people's homes if, if that's what they prefer. But then we also go to shows or we do shows. And we'll actually have a fashion show coming up March or April. Don't Ooh. know as yet, but that's, <laughs> that's also a, a big thing for us. And uh, we'll be doing that in partnership actually with the pediatric oncology department at UNC Hospital. And so um, when we do these fashion shows, we like to make sure we're doing something kind of with the community. But that's a really good way for people to see the clothes on people and then also get the chance to you know feel it try it on and and see what they like so very cool yeah very cool yeah the last thing i wanted to do is something of a rapid fire round okay this is a pretty common trend (laughs) with podcasts so i'm just gonna try to see how this goes okay i have a few different topics here and would like to hear just your spit take on them okay so and uh, i guess Specifically, your take on how it affects you. Okay. Um, all right. You ready? I guess so. <laughs> Amazon. How quickly consumers want things and the convenience of getting them. Hmm. Is that like, is that the kind of like, rapid, like how? Uh, um, actually, maybe, maybe like how it affects your business, yeah. if at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It affects Sani in terms of how quickly consumers okay. like want to be able to get something and how convenient that experience should be. Mm. In a frustrating way? Uh, not necessarily. I think in a way that just like pushes us to, to be better. I mean, we're not going to be that fast, mm-hmm. right? Because this is a different kind of product and yeah. everything. Yeah. But I think it pushes us in a positive way. Mm. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. Um, fast fashion. <laughs> Fast fashion pushes us to think more about responsible business practices, what some people call sustainability, <laughs> right. but that's a very ambiguous term, <laughs> and, and how we can make sure we're highlighting the ways that we're trying to be a more responsible business. Saris. <laughs> I think in the non-South Asian community, a lot of people think of south asian fashion as saris mm-hmm. <laughs> and we've tried to break that and i think a lot of the fashion industry from there has has tried to break that as well but in general i still think it is one of the most elegant pieces that that you can wear within south asian fashion we just want to show there's more to it than just saris and we can't personally drape them so we try to find easier ways to get the sari look <laughs> nice um commerce over instagram commerce over instagram what do you mean like purchases through instagram oh oh i see um commerce over instagram has made us think more about how we can help customers vet our brand before they make the purchase Mm. i don't think we've done a fantastic job of it but like like close-ups of the fabric and things like that it's it's made us think more deliberately about the the commerce experience influencers i have a love-hate relationship (laughs) with influencers honestly um i think that it (laughs) it's not that i want to be like maybe actually honestly clarify what your relationship is with influencers like you guys use influencers right sure we've worked with influencers through sani i think that there needs to be more accountability on both sides in terms of what people want out of the relationship i think at this point it's become very um I think in some ways it's become a lot of like free product and stuff like that. And, and I'm not sure that either party is getting enough out of it. So um, <laughs> I have a love-hate relationship with influencers. That makes sense. Um, models. 
we've worked with some awesome models. We have been very like community oriented so far. Models were our friends from the area who have been fantastic and uh, have helped us out a lot. And so um, I think that's been really cool that we've gotten to work with a lot of our friends and meet new friends through the the models that we've used for Sony. Are any of those models also influencers? Is that ever like an overlap or tend to be pretty separate? It's, it's, there's sometimes an overlap, but I'd say for the most part, like the models we're using for photo shoots and fashion shows and stuff like that, um, they don't tend to be, um, influencers in the traditional sense but when we have uh sent our close influencers we also of course post them uh on instagram as well but for our photo shoots and stuff it tends to be others gotcha and then last one is uh running a business internationally i really need to learn hindi (laughs) to do a better job with sani but it's it's hard it is, uh, I had to go to India at the very last minute, AKA on a Wednesday, I realized I had to go to India cause some very important pieces were not being made correctly. And on Thursday I was on a flight to India and that's expensive, it's difficult. Um, and, and I was there by myself and it's not always safe. So uh, it's tiring. <laughs> it's, it's tiring, yes, that too. <laughs> Um, so it, it's it's really hard, and you have to understand how to operate within that culture. Even though it is my culture, right? It's a it's a different place. Right. So it's it's been really hard, but it's it's forced me to grow a lot in terms of like how I I think about the way I'm coming across and how I think about like business relationships and the different ways people respond to yeah, things. Totally. That makes sense. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. This has been an amazing conversation, as always, and I really enjoyed hearing all this stuff. I mean, I feel like I we've known each other for, what, probably six months, seven yeah. months, something like Seth. that? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> it like, yeah. yeah. It I like mean, not, years, definitely not long. <laughs> but I, we talk, what, maybe two times a month, something yeah, like that. Exactly. I feel like there's so much I learned in this conversation that... I didn't even know, and it's been amazing to hear about your story. Well, thank you. So. I always like our conversations. I learn a lot from them, too. So <laughs> thank you for, for having me. Yeah, and last thing, if anybody wants to check you out, what should they do? Yeah, they should go to www.sanidesigns.com, or they can find us at S-A-N-I on Instagram. Awesome. Thank you so much. Cool. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Feel free to reach out if you have any questions, any suggestions, or if you or someone else you know would like to be on the next episode. And if you're thinking about starting a business, what are you waiting for? Do it already.